0: So, in Civil Procedures today, we talked more about specific personal jurisdiction. We're going to be focusing on this a lot, but from International Show, we learned about contacts and how contacts need to be there, and today, it kind of clicked when you have specific personal jurisdiction versus general personal jurisdiction. We're going to be focusing more about all that later, Um, but I want to talk about one case uh, and then... Uh, one hypothetical that we talked about during class about how you determine whether or not you can sue for personal jurisdiction okay so let's go over mcgee yeah mcgee versus international life insurance Co. so what happened in this case is that mcgee um, was a so franklin had a insurance policy with it, uh, and Franklin was from California. He had an insurance policy with a company that was in Arizona. When uh, then, eventually, the Arizona company was bought out by International Life Insurance Co., which was based in Texas. And this insurance company uh, sent a renewal notice to uh, Franklin in California to say that yes, we're still doing business together. So what ended up happening here is Franklin passed and his mother, uh, McGee, was a beneficiary of this. There's an issue with him committing suicide or not, but in in other words, International Life just chose not to pay the insurance money. So McGee went to the courts in California and using their long-arm statue, and what that just means is That's where the courts can apply personal jurisdiction to their state. And long-arm statutes are quite interesting. So there's a constitutional realm for uh, personal jurisdiction. But if there's no long-arm statute, then the state can't find any personal jurisdiction. So California has an all-encompassing long-arm statute, meaning anything that is found constitutionally, uh, personal jurisdiction also applies in the city of California. Now, New York, on the other hand, has a much more restrictive um, personal jurisdiction long-arm statute, meaning the courts in New York can't do everything that is constitutional. Instead, they need to make sure that they abide by that statute to ensure that they find personal jurisdiction. If they don't abide by that statute, or if the case isn't related to that statute, then there is no personal jurisdiction. So there are limits by these longarm statutes. So the case really here is is that long arm statute actually going to afford personal personal jurisdiction here to McGee? And specific personal jurisdiction is really a question here. The court or right, the I believe this was Supreme Court. Yes, this is the Supreme Court. They say yes, and that is the case. Uh, The long-arm statute can apply. Okay, let's talk about when you use personal jurisdiction versus specific personal jurisdiction. The first thing we're going to want to do is figure out which states are at play in the case. So in McGee, we have California, California, we have, And we have Texas, and McGee lives in California, and the insurance company is in Texas. McGee wants to file suit in California because it's much more convenient for McGee to file a suit in California. Tex, uh, the insurance company wants the suit to be filed in Texas because it's much more convenient for the insurance company and beneficial for the insurance company for the suit to be filed in Texas. Now, the issue that we're having here is the differing, of which court can the suit actually be filed in. Well, we learned from the contacts that, well, we learned from International Shoe that you need to have minimum uh, sufficient minimum contacts to find specific personal jurisdiction. Okay, so the issue of the case here arose out of California. So, based off of McGee mcgee in this instance could find specific personal jurisdiction in california and they can also sue in texas because of general jurisdiction and the reason why they can file in texas is because that is where the defendant is so they can file for a specific personal jurisdiction in california because that's where the issue was and the defendant has a contact there that's uh... the insurance prop um, that's the insurance the defendant can also well the plaintiff can also file suit in in texas because of the general personal jurisdiction notice that i'm saying defendant a lot in this instance it's because it's the defendants that matter when it comes to finding personal jurisdiction what did the defendant do Where did the defendant do its actions? All that kind of stuff is what you look at when you're trying to figure this all out. So in this case, the defendant had established a contact in California. It had sent the renewal notice, which means that the defendant had availed themselves to that state. They are now subject to the jurisdiction of that state because they chose to be subject to the jurisdiction of that state through their contact that they had initiated. Now this is different, say for example, Franklin lived in Florida, his mother was in um was in California as the beneficiary. If he passed in Florida, well the mother could file specific personal jurisdiction in Florida because that's where the issue is that the defendant had made because the claim was in in Florida or it can file in Texas still because of general jurisdiction but they can't file in California and why is that well it's because the defendant chose not to avail themselves to the jurisdiction in California instead it is Florida where that is going to be discussed because that's related to the claim Let's take another hypothetical, one a little closer to me geographically. So, a person lives, our plaintiff in this hypothetical lives in South Dakota. The defendant lives in New York. The defendant chose to have an event in Iowa. While the defendant came to Iowa... Uh, had the event, the plaintiff came to Iowa to see this event and they got into an accident together. The plaintiff could sue where? Could they sue in South Dakota where they're from? Could they sue in Iowa? And could they sue in New York? And what field of personal jurisdiction would they meet in each of those? So, can they sue in South Dakota, where the plaintiff is from? The answer is no, unless, and I'll get to the unless. The answer is no, because the defendant did not establish a contact in South Dakota. Instead, the contact is with the event that occurred in Iowa. So no, there's no specific or general personal jurisdiction, because that's what the plaintiff is, and we want to focus on the defendant. What about in Iowa? Can they find specific personal jurisdiction in Iowa. And the answer here is yes because that's where the contact is, that's where the event occurred and that's where the claim is arising out of. So the plaintiff could file suit in Iowa. What about New York? And the answer is again yes, the plaintiff could file suit in New York and that's because of general jurisdiction. That's where the pla- and the defendant is domiciled. So the defendant can except claims in that area, and all this is so that it can be fair. Let's go back to South Dakota for just a second. There is one instance where, well, I guess two, but the the first instance would be TAG or transient personal jurisdiction. The defendant could technically be sued in South Dakota if he or she, were in South Dakota at the time of being processed, meaning they were given the summons and the complaint. And then they could have, and then the plaintiff could file suit against the defendant in that state because the defendant was currently in that state when they were served processed. The reason why this doesn't happen often, though, is because of the statute of limitations, meaning you have 90 days after the event occurs in order to file suit and if you don't file suit within that 90 days well you're out of luck the case can be dismissed because you didn't do it the fourth way that they could have filed suit in uh, South Dakota is if the uh, defendant agreed to have suit there where they gave their consent that's obviously not going to happen because the defendant doesn't really want to be sued in a state other than themselves so that's long-arm statutes in kind of an overview of personal specific personal jurisdiction. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com/slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is, if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.